This is episode three with Dr. Roy Bachar. Welcome to the Capitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you take any idea and making it a reality. Here's the man who did it and now teaches it, Justin Escar. Hey guys, welcome to uh, episode three of the Capitalize on Your Idea, the podcast. Today's episode is very cool. We have Dr. Roy Bukhar. He's a psychiatrist uh, in New York City. And I brought him on because I wanted him to talk to you guys about fear and motivation and how fear can stop you from moving forward with your idea and why you shouldn't let fear take over. Um, you know, it's really easy for you to say, I, I don't, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid this isn't going to work. I'm afraid of losing money. I'm afraid of losing friends and family over this. And those are the kind of things that will just stop you dead in your tracks. And Dr. Picard talks about how to get over some of those ideas. You'll hear later in the episode, he mentions this really great thing that I like. It's know your value. And uh, it's a great, it's a great way to think, figure out who you are and be able to get past those fears and get motivated and get your idea out there because there really is nothing stopping you. You really should be able to get through that. So uh, pay attention very carefully to what he says. Uh, it, it, it's great advice. And here is the interview with Dr. Roy Bukhar. So we're here with uh, Dr. Roy Bukhar, psychiatrist. Uh, Roy and I have known each other f- since ninth grade, about um, very long friendship. And uh, I wanted to bring Roy on today to talk a little bit about fear and also about motivation. So welcome to the podcast, Roy. Thanks, Justin. It's good to be here. Thank you. Um, so I want to talk about people's fear of starting their own business or to take their idea and bring it to fruition, the whole concept behind capitalizing. What do you think people are afraid of when they're given the opportunity to take an idea and, and run with it? Um, I think a lot of times people will confuse an idea they have or something they're producing with themselves. And so if someone's creating something or want to capitalize on their idea, um, they don't see it as an investment or an opportunity or a project, but as an extension of themselves. And they're very frightened probably about um, being revealed as inadequate or failure Um, and that probably paralyzes them and makes it very challenging for them to work in a way that would make that, that idea come to fruition. Uh, some, that's pretty strong stuff where, you know, you can project this concept out to yourself and, uh, and then, and you would think that somebody's because of your item, your idea is a failure that you're a failure. So, so what are some like. I wouldn't say easy steps, but what would be some ways that people can help get over that, what you call paralyzing fear, to be able to take at least that first step into moving into into something that's, you know, they, they feel comfortable with and that way they're not so afraid. I, I think recognizing that their idea is just that. It's an investment. It's an idea um, to free themselves up to think about it, not sort of crippled by their anxiety. Um I bought a house about a year ago, and the first time something went wrong with the house, a pipe burst or something, I, I felt horrible like I had done something wrong. And it took a little while living in it and realizing that, you know, 
no, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. It's an investment. Um, I'll put time and energy into it and at some point, you know, build equity and get something out of it. Um, but if I was paralyzed, the problem would just get worse and worse and the house would end up depreciating and rather than getting fixed, seeing it as an opportunity to improve upon my investment. And you'd also have now a leaky basement from your, your burst pipe, right? Yeah. Precisely. Right. Um, okay, so so if someone's going to take an idea, all right? Um, now, I, I've told people before, you know, take your idea. You don't need to quit your job to do this. You can work on this in your off hours. Um, how would somebody get into a, a better mindset to work during their off time? Like, what would what's a good thing for someone to do? Like, I got home from my, from my day job. Uh, you know, kiss the wife, play with the dogs, play with the kids, have dinner, whatever it is. And I want to get to work. So I need to get into this mindset now. What's a good way to like break the every day and get into the my entrepreneurial mindset? Uh, I think it's important, especially with family or with a home or that you need to, you know, develop a space um, to do that work in and have it understood sort of tacitly by the people you care about in your life. Um, they'll be resentful if you just disappear and you won't be able to keep up consistently with your project or your work. You know, it's why they have office buildings and, you know, places. So you need something that motivates you, a discrete space to think and have everybody understand that that's your space. So like a, maybe like a home office or like, um, you know, a, a, your chair, like a little small area or maybe somewhere in your basement or something like that, right? Yeah, it could even be a local coffee shop or, you know, staying in the office a little bit later but squirreling away an hour between work and home if you really want to get home and not work. Um, the space is more in your mind, but whatever you need to sort of distinguish it from home and from your primary job at that time, I think that's important and helpful. All right, great. So, okay, so now I'm in my own little space. Uh, I've, I'm using this as my zone to come up with my idea and work on it. Um, what else could be there? What, what, what do I need to do maybe inside my mind to clear out all the other stuff? Like what's, what would be a good way to push out that fear once I'm in my little, let's call it a safe house, safe room, safe wherever, and get into the right mindset? I guess it depends what you're doing. Um, or what your project is, but um, you need to spend some time transitioning. Um, it's rare that somebody can just shift from one direction to another with no pause. So you sit, you sort of quietly call it meditation or just um, being aware of your thoughts for a moment, clear out whatever was going on before and try and sort of put aside your concerns for later and set tasks that are um, really doable in the time you've set aside for yourself. You know, if you have an hour between work and home, you know, what can you accomplish for an hour? And then just set that aside in the first two or three minutes, just, you know, decompress, get a cup of coffee, whatever you need to do. Well, that's good. So setting tasks is a good way to get started, getting yourself in the right mindset. Um, you know, I know for, for me personally, I use a, I have an app on my phone called Do, uh, and I'll put the link for that in the show notes, where I can literally write my to-do list, and then every time I finish something, I like double-click it, and it, it makes even that scratch-out noise. You know, you feel so good when you have something like on a list and you want to scratch it. So 
um, you know, that helps um, for some people. Some people need to have a piece of paper. I tell everybody have a notebook or some sort of note program, whether it's uh, the notes app on your phone or Evernote, and, and have this to-do list so that way you can, you know, accomplish these tasks, write them out and accomplish them and get everything done. Yeah, that's excellent. And I, I think um, you speak to some, like the idea that, uh, you know, in your day things occur to you and, and you need to put them aside for the appropriate time. And so if you have a, a note app and you just squirrel away your ideas for that hour, you look forward to it. I think if the space becomes kind of sacrosanct in your day, something you look forward to can really help motivate you and have you look forward to that time and allow you to hit the ground running. So that's, that's a good idea as well. Oh, that's great. All right. So, um, you know, psychiatry is one of the, the harder medical professions. Um, you know, short of, I think we were talking about this earlier, short of like neuroscience or neurology or whatever it is. Uh, so what was, uh, what's, what motivated you to get through all these years of schooling? And I mean, you're, you still have to, you have to continuously take classes, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Doctors have continuing medical education throughout their careers to get certified. Okay. So what, what motivated you to become a psychiatrist and, and keep going to keep even to continue going to school and continue getting all this stuff. Like what's, what's your motivator? Um, I, you know, it can be pretty idiosyncratic, um, person to person for med school or anything like that. But, um, no, but for you personally, what's your yeah. personal one? Um, I, I'm thinking I'm passionate about the actual work. I really do like helping and, and treating the mentally ill. I like the ambivalence kind of inherent, in the treatment, it's not very uh, formulaic. It requires a lot of creativity, um, and so you know, I feel good at the end of the day. You know, I'm actually helping people, working with them, treating them, and there's a space for something sort of artistic and creative, thoughtful and, and reflective. Um, and um, I think the other part, you know, is the stability. You know, that it's work that I know. You know, I get a return on you know financially, and I can square away um, taking care of myself and my family, which is also gratifying in its own way. Um, and I, I like my colleagues, and so I think those things for me get me through it. Having sort of a group of people with a shared experience, having some financial stability from the work, knowing that what I put in, I'll I'll get a return on, and and the work itself is very pleasurable. All right, so you said three things that really kind of like I, I, as I'm writing notes, really I kind of picked up on, which was one, you said you're passionate about it, which is great. You have this this internal drive, your passion, uh, and the creativity in it. And you, you called it a return um, financially, but really from, from a business side, it's like a return on investment. The amount of time you put in, you're getting what we call an ROI, a return on investment from your time. So those three things, passion, creativity, and return on investment, which can be attributed to anything not necessarily you know uh dr Bukhar's, uh medical job but happens even with my app like i was very passionate about going paperless and i came up with a creative idea and while the return on investment yes is money which is what the end goal is for everybody really um knowing that i'm helping cut down on the paper usage across the globe is a huge thing so those three items you know easily cross the boundaries between uh, or would you say would could cross the boundaries between almost any field? 
Uh, yeah, I think easily. Um, you know, passion for what you do, a return on investment, feeling like it wasn't time wasted, and um, an opportunity to be sort of creative or step outside of the conventional thinking, as well as hopefully the, the people you surround yourself with or like-minded individuals and the work that you do um, are absolutely you know, sort of general things that draw people to what they end up doing in their lives, hopefully. All right, great. So um, what do you think would be a way that somebody can, like, okay, so now we have our, we have our office, right? We're in, we're in our coffee shop. We're working on our idea. Um, once they've extended beyond the, let's say, fear of, of getting started, right? Now we're motivated. So what other mental blocks do you think we would need to get past to be okay with doing something like this or creating an app or, 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 or building a product or even selling something, maybe even getting on Shark Tank or whatever it is, uh, getting those ideas out there? Uh, yeah, I, I think the barriers um, are often the first setback. Um, you don't do well on a test in school. You don't make as much money as you anticipated. You don't meet your goal for the day. It's easy to get demoralized and fall back into that pattern of thinking, you know, oh, I, I failed at my goal for the day or things aren't going well. I, I must be a failure. This enterprise is doomed to fail and, and I should just play it safe or, you know, not invest in my, my dream or, or my goal. Um, and so, you know, I think having support, obviously, Getting a good therapist can be helpful for some people, <laughs> but, uh, you know, to a shoemaker, all leather looks good. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, you need to find some way to get past, work through, not be knocked down by, you know, the adversity that you're going to face as you struggle to get things off the ground. No enterprise is problem free. So knowing that and whatever it is you do to work through that, be it go to the gym, talk it through with people in the same field or a spouse, um, I think you need to remind yourself to do those things when you're in the thick of it because you can lose some perspective pretty quickly. All right, great. So uh, also, I mean, you just mentioned now like going to the gym and talking to a spouse, getting your getting those feelings out there or using um, exercising. And I, I've mentioned this in the Appleized book, doing something to get those bad feelings out of your body, right? That's what we're trying to, that's the, I mean, I, not that I want to shorten what you're saying, but like, that's essentially what we're trying to get to, right? Figure out a way to get those bad feelings out of your body, whatever, whatever the method is that you need, um, whether it's talking to somebody professionally or going to the gym or talking to a spouse or a parent or whatever, right? That's what, that's really what we're goal is here. Absolutely. And I think the first step is actually acknowledging that you're feeling that way. A lot of people might go on in sort of a funk or a bad mood and not even realize what's going on, you know, clam up uh, because they're embarrassed. Things aren't going well. And so to acknowledge that there's some bad feeling or experience, put it out there, share it, is um, very much that the, the, the important step in working through. Okay, so like internalizing it more uh, to... to, to to become aware of it, right? Yeah, it's actually externalizing it. You have to look in yourself and then get it out there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so there's a difference. You got your internalizing, your externalizing. So there's other, there's also other websites. You know, if if you don't really feel comfortable talking to somebody, I mean, obviously find a way to become comfortable. But if you can't, there are websites out there like um, 
uh, postsecret.com, which is a great one, or group hug, which is a, these anonymous places you can go and you can post these things on the internet um, to help just get those feelings out there. Cause maybe you just need that step. You get that little feeling out there and then you're like, you know what? I can talk about this with a friend or a colleague or a spouse or whoever. Um, so, okay. So now we have our fears have been externalized. Okay. Um, how does one continue to, av- not avoid, but how does one continue to not let those fears sink back in? Uh, yeah, I think it, it's a process and um, you, you need to get to know yourself pretty well if you're going to be in charge of some enterprise. You're the boss of this idea and you need to make it happen. And so I think a big part of that process is very much learning what triggers these responses in you, what upsets you, what sets you back, and what works. And in, in not you, you can't avoid those thoughts and feelings from sort of occurring, but you can minimize their footprint um, on your day uh, emotionally and literally. So um, most of you know that I had, I had an app called BlackBook. And BlackBook, uh, I consider it a failure because we missed the mark on so many different things. We were late to market and we didn't do our minimum viable product, what we call an MVP. And we really, like, we put too much time into it and all this. And we lost, and I lost a lot of money personally. So obviously, at the end of that, I was feeling pretty down, right? Um, and I thought that I knew that the app failed not because I failed but because of the steps that were taken. But there were the things I had to do to get past those, which was I had to talk it out. I had to go to the gym. I had to do whatever it took for me to say, okay, you know what? I, I took a bullet on this one and that's okay. Um, and I was able to bounce back from that. So if you have this app or you have this idea and you feel that, it, or you even make it happen, and then it still fails. Yes, it can affect you, but there are things that you can do to get out of that funk. Yeah, I um, I'm, I'm reminded of research that goes on in what's called resilience. Um, it's sort of the other side of post-traumatic stress disorder. Instead of studying what contributes to the development of of that anxiety disorder, really an abnormal response in your ability to stop yourself from being afraid. Um, They look at resilience and what allows people to get through very traumatic experiences without developing post-traumatic stress disorder. And and generally, it's the ability to understand the trauma and some sort of bigger narrative of your life. You know, this happened, but it ends. This is why it happened. I can move past it. This is what I learned from it. And it's, it doesn't apply generally to everything that happens in my life. It, it was a time-limited issue, you know, being hopeful and understanding that things move on. And, and, and this is research that took place in interviewing people in, you know, prisoner of war camps, you know, undergoing horrible dehumanizing conditions. And the ones that really never developed post-traumatic stress disorder were able to maintain hope find some drive to get through every day, understand what was going on in a larger um, sort of scheme of their life. And so with Black Book, 
you know, you have other apps that are successful, you have other successes in your life, good interpersonal relationships, and this is an opportunity to learn for you. Nobody's going to be without failure. Um, but if you, in the moment, were so overwhelmed with fear, were unable to distinguish one failure from being a failure, then, you know, all of the good things in your life could really fall by the wayside and, and you can get crippled. Um, so I think that's a good uh, cautionary tale and you seem to have gotten through it quite well. Uh, I, I appreciate your professional opinion uh, and your friendship on, on telling me that I got through it. I'm pretty sure I complained once or twice to you uh, back in your apartment <laughs> complaining about the, how bad I was. I was feeling horrible with it, too. I remember I remember sitting on your couch. I thought so. So like I said in the beginning of the show, Roy and I have been friends since since ninth grade. Um, and yet whenever I go over to his place, I always end up sitting on his couch and just kind of we're just talking. But I always feel a little bit like this is a doctor patient thing, like. You're going to tell me that all the failures are because of my mother and whatever. <laughs> and while that may be true to some respect, I don't think Black Book was her fault. Um, and I remember coming to you and talking to you about this. And luckily, I, you know, like I said, since Roy is my friend and he is a, a psychiatrist, I have this ability to talk to him. And, and that's fine. Not everybody has a, uh, a psychiatrist friend who they can they can confide in, I guess. Right? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, some people just have to pay for that service. but. <laughs> Justin's got it as tax write-off. I think, got it so. as a tax write-off. Exactly. I'll be like, oh, I'm not doing so well with the podcast. Um, so that's good. So the 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 real thing here is to see what you've learned from the failure to help you move on. So so once you've passed the fear stage and now we're moving forward, you have to understand that, or if I'm understanding this right from from uh, from Roy, is that you have to be able to. Continue looking for the, let's say, the light at the end of the tunnel, the silver lining, right? The, the, those, those phrases we hear all the time, that there's always something, there's always sunshine somewhere in a rainstorm and, and, and whatever it is. And you need to find that and kind of like latch onto that to keep moving and use that to bring you to the next step and bring it and keep going one step at a time instead of trying to jump straight to the end. Uh, yeah, I, I think people have a tendency to uh, put the cart before the horse. Um, and, and decide, okay, you know, everything is falling apart, the sky is falling, everything's terrible. And, and, you know, one failed idea or one failed execution of an idea doesn't even mean it's a bad idea. And, and as Justin was describing, um, there are usually a number of things that contribute to something not really working out. And, and those little individual issues are often tasks you can work through Easily, but if you overwhelm yourself and say this is a global failure and you just you're unable to take apart, analyze and work through the uh, the issues with your concept. Yeah. So, again, you know, you're taking these small parts. And like I said earlier, with Black Book, the failure wasn't necessarily mine. I had a great idea and at the time it worked, um, but because we had taken too long, you know, it those were some things that built up and, and we failed and you know what we learned our lesson and we moved on um so what about let's talk about finances for a second people's financial fears because that's especially in today's market ever since 2008 and the housing crash and whatever financial fears are, are a huge thing for people right people are always afraid about not having enough money so um what do you think that people can do i mean i know you're not a financial expert but what can people do to help minimize some of those financial fears 
it's pretty broad, but I think you can apply the same general concept. The amount of money you have in the bank is not say something about who you are as a person. You know, what concrete number in a bank account or percent gain in an investment will make you feel good about yourself. If you begin to think that way, you really lose the opportunity to grow and enjoy your work. Um, and so you have to determine what is, you know, fair and reasonable. You know, time as well as money. Time is a bigger investment than money in a lot of ways. And that's what, you know, you talk it over with the people who you care about, spouses, loved ones, anybody who will be, you know, impacted by your investment and discuss openly what you'd like, what you hope to happen, do your research, and determine what amount you're going to invest and what amount of time and what amount of money. And, um, you know, some people won't go into a casino with any credit cards and more than a few hundred bucks in cash because it's very, very tempting. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not that person. I will <laughs> I go in. I'm sorry to say this, but the casinos always just draw me in. Well, but that's something you're prepared for, and, and I also don't think you sort of, you know, pawned off your wedding ring or sold your car in the service of... Uh, as, I know, look, as I look for my wedding ring right there, because I noticed I took it off. <laughs> you scared me for a second there. Sorry, Michelle. That's, that's fine. Here it is. All right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, being prepared for the protect... the, the Being prepared for the particular level of financial... Uh, time or financial and time that you want to spend on it um, really helps. So another thing to think about also is that when you're creating a product that your end goal shouldn't be money. Like obviously everybody in this world would love to be rich and be, you know, uh, independently wealthy so they don't have to worry about things like work or bills or taxes or whatever it is. But um, the fact is, is that the products that you're building shouldn't be financially driven, right? That, that definitely helps in the right mindset. If you're saying that my goal for this product is to be to help XYZ, it's to help this problem, it's to help solve this issue, it, as opposed to the goal for this product is to make money. Uh, that also helps people get into the proper mindset, would you say? Uh, you know, everybody's different. I think the goal of a uh, corporation is, is to earn a profit, um, but when you're developing an idea, if you meet you know, the need of people, develop the idea in a way that's you know, friendly and um, useful, then the financial gains should sort of come about as a result of that. Again, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not in finance, but... The idea being, you know, know your value, know how much you want to make and, and what the market looks like for what you're creating. I'm not saying don't do your homework or just a good idea will magically make you money. But, you know, if a good idea, um, that inspiration and the 99% perspiration you do to bring it to fruition, if you're able to do that, the, the financial gains should come about because you've conscientiously looked at your market and thought about how much your costs are and what your gains should be um, so that, yeah, you can get bogged down in that, but people really want their lives to be 
easier and you know money is just paper but what what it buys you is time and comfort um most people don't just hoard gold in their basements and sort of dive into it like Scrooge McDuck. Um, they, you know, they they want the the life that they want. They want the comfort and the ease and the lack of fear and uncertainty that comes from financial instability in these times. I think that's why there's been such an upswing of nostalgia. Um, people actually buying nicer clothes, uh, more durable things are willing to pay more if it'll last and and that speaks to what happens when you're um really down and out you you seek comfort and um familiarity and uh, innovations that facilitate that i think are ones that tend to do well uh, i really like what you, what you said in that, in that last part there you said know your value which i think is huge for for people in general, forgetting if you're coming up with your own ideas, know your value. Know and understand not only financially your value, but your value in life, like where you are and how you're being. Like always, you know, check in with, like they say in yoga, check in with yourself. See see what hurts. See what's going on. Try to follow those good thoughts and, and get everything there. So know your value. And that will help you succeed in getting through the tougher times when you're trying to develop these ideas. Um, there's always going to be a setback, right? There's always going to be um, something where, oh, I wish this idea was working better or I want to tweak this. I, this doesn't work because of X, Y, Z or whatever it is. There's always going to be those 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 setbacks. But there's always ways to get past that. And if you check in with yourself every now and then, you can you can see where mentally and physically and emotionally that you're, you're having these issues and you can view some of the things um, – that that Roy has said to get past those, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're not going to want to develop a project or spend your hard-earned money and precious time on something you don't believe in or that makes you feel bad about yourself, uncomfortable, or you can't really get behind. So I think one thing that could be said for a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, and you know, Justin being one of them, as he knows, his values, he knows what he wants, he knows what he likes, and, and the product he puts out is one that he would use, can get behind, and uh, makes him happy. Um, and, and that can't be understated. If you're, you know, marketing something that you don't believe in, even if it makes you a boatload of money, it, it, it's just not going to work for you. Or even, even if it doesn't make you the boatload of money also, because like, you know, and I appreciate all the kind words, you know, sign my pad was originally developed to help a paper problem that I had um, where I wanted to get this paper out of my office for my clients that were signing these work tickets. And that was the original motivator to get it built. And, and, and we moved through it. And um, that's its value to help be a little more green and help companies stop using paper. Um, and I use it all the time as much as possible. Like I said before, I've, I used it to sign the paperwork to buy my house, which the, the broker who had sent me the stack of papers and I sent it back and I said, send me digital copies. He had, he was so confused by that. He didn't know what to do. And I'm like, this is the reason why this is the, and, and having shown him the app, he now actually doesn't send paper copies to anybody, which is wonderful. So I changed one person's mindset. So that, that definitely, uh, did well. I think that I really like that, that know your value. I think I'm going to title this episode. Uh, know your value. I think it's going to be a good one. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. So uh, we're hitting the mark now. So I, I want to thank Dr. Roy Bakar. Uh, thanks so much for being here. I know that um, 
it's a little awkward because we're we're friends and uh everyone out there is getting a little taste of of what our friendship really is like oh it's not awkward at all it's my pleasure thank you all right guys so be out there capitalize on your idea if you have any questions shoot us an email uh there's nowhere really to find you online right because you're you're because of your profession you're not like on twitter or anything like that uh no if you google my name you'll find the phone number for my office if you need to make a you know, what hospital? an what appointment. Ho- what hospital are you at? Can you say what hospital you're at? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, if you Google it, it'll come up. Anyways, I'm, I work at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Mount, so that's Mount Sinai in New York City. If you if you really need help, um, uh, you can call Dr. Roy and he'll give you uh, some advice. So <laughs> that's it. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next time. So there's some really good, powerful advice from from Dr. Roy. I want to thank him from for being on the show. And go out there and, and do something, guys. Come up with an idea. Make it happen. Apitalize on your idea. If you have any uh, questions or comments, please leave them in the show notes on the blog. Leave them in iTunes. Email me. However you can get in touch, I'm here for you guys to help out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Mm-hmm.